Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rural Spark, the podcast on rural innovation in Canada, both social and economic. I'm your host, Helen Murphy. This week, we have the story of a couple packing up the big city lifestyle and moving to a completely new place in rural Canada. Stacy Creech and Jeff Gelstrom spent more than 25 years between them as nightclub DJs in downtown Toronto. In 2017, they gave all that up to create a very new life for themselves on the west coast of Cape Breton Island. They made the move to Grand Etang in April of that year and began living off the land, detached from the grid. They're now part of the growing ecotourism economy in Atlantic Canada, offering lodging and tours to visitors from far and wide, while also building a sustainable future for themselves near the famous Cabot Trail in Nova Scotia. We were intrigued by the transition from downtown Toronto DJs to rural Cape Breton tour guides, so we invited Stacy and Jeff to join us on Rural Spark and tell us their story. Hello, Stacy and Jeff, and welcome to Rural Spark. Thanks for having us. Hi, how are you? Great. Um, you know, we always love a great city mouse, country mouse story. So we're keen to share your story of leaving downtown Toronto and that lifestyle and finding a new home in rural Cape Breton. To start, I'm wondering how much each of you actually knew about a rural way of life before making the move. Um, did either or both of you actually grow up in a rural community? Uh, well, Stacy didn't. She grew up <laughs> in basically downtown Toronto, but... I grew up an hour outside of Toronto in a city called Barrie. When I was a kid, around three years old, my father built us a house, and it was on the outskirts of Barrie, and the population was probably about 30,000 people, but over my lifetime there, childhood, the city grew and grew and grew around us, but as I grew up there, it's kind of, I lived kind of rural as, had a big forest in my backyard, my parents would always go on hikes with us, but then when I was nine years old, I lost that forest to a subdivision, so of course. it was like a kick in the teeth as a child. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, tell us a little bit about what life was like for the two of you working as DJs in, in downtown Toronto and living there. It was a lot of late nights, but it, uh, I don't know, we might look differently on our time <laughs> as DJs, but... I look fondly on it. I love music. I loved being a DJ. It's something I happened to do when I was about 13 years old. I started doing school dances and stuff, and it just I carried that through my teenage years and my 20s. And, uh, you know, we would play three, four nights a week. You know, you start work at 10 p.m. You get home around 3.30 in the morning. Yeah, so... Definitely a little different than what we're used to out here, where restaurants shut down around 8 p.m. Right. And there's big crowds. And of course, there's always security issues and safety issues around that kind of environment in, in a big city. Yeah. That was definitely, I think, like my starting as a DJ was very positive the way Jeff refers to it. But the last few years, like you mentioned, the security issues became a really big deal to me and just took away all of the positive sides of what being a DJ was supposed to be about. There was just tons of fights, tons of police getting in there, and it just wasn't really positive or fun anymore. And Stacy, I understand that you, and I, I don't know if Jeff was on the same wavelength as this, but going back a number of years, you were actually thinking going rural. And it's interesting because you didn't grow up with that experience. You know, how, how, where did that longing to go to a rural area and live a rural lifestyle come from? My parents were big influences in that, although we grew up in the city 
every summer we left for three weeks to travel the East Coast, which was sort of where I fell in love with the East Coast originally. And uh, we always did lots of camping, spent lots of time in nature. My dad would take me on walks in High Park, which is like a very large park, just about 10 minutes from where I grew up. Yeah, we just always spent a lot of time outside. And as I got older, I just wanted to spend more time outside, not you know, inhaling the fumes of cars and pollution and the all of the noise that is right. associated with the city, where even if you do get to those like little spots in Ontario, those little like havens, they're still just inundated with tourists and everybody else. Right. And and what happened, it's easy for, I think a lot of people probably say, oh, one day I'd like to live in a rural community like this or a small town, or one day I'd like to do this. But you know, a lot of us never actually get to that one day where we make a decision to make a huge move like that and, and leave livelihoods. What was the impetus to actually reaching the decision to pack up and say, okay, we're going, we're going now? I think the biggest thing, the biggest drive for us was housing prices in Toronto. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I, uh, Jeff is uh, three years older than me, but I, uh, turning 30, we were still living in this really cruddy apartment, um, trying to save all the money we could. And buying a house was just not feasible for us at any point, as it isn't for any young person growing up in the city. We love to travel. And if you buy a house, you're pretty much married to that mortgage for the rest of your life. And that was not something that we wanted to do. So for us, the big thing was finding a new home base where we could start a new business and then start the traveling life from there, but actually have something that we could fall back on or somewhere we could come back to and call home. And that kind of lifestyle just wasn't something we could, you know, afford to do in Toronto. Right. And so what's the experience of actually shopping around for a new home, for a new place, a new community, a new province? What did you folks go through to do that? And uh, how did rural Cape Breton win out in that process? Well, it was a lot of computer work, research on Google Maps. Thankfully, Nova Scotia's got Viewpoint, which has like a map of all the surveyed properties. So it was really easy to kind of see what you were getting based on the listings that we were finding online. We chose Cape Breton because, as Stacey mentioned before, we love to travel. And the main attraction for us was oceans or mountains. And as you know, Cape Breton has both. Mm -hmm. So... It was an easy decision. And then, you know, we kind of looked around. We looked into Newfoundland, also cheap, affordable house prices, land prices. But then, you know, we settled on Cape Breton in 2016. We came out here. I met with a realtor. Uh, she showed us a few pieces of land, and we fell in love with the piece of land that her father actually owned and was selling. So, And it was only the second piece that we saw. Mm-hmm. Like, it was the second listing that we saw she took us to. And then we kind of went to these other listings after that. And she was like, you guys don't want to see anything else, do you? And we're like, no, like, just take us back. We're going to make an offer on your dad's land. Wow. So. And did you always know that going to, a, a, you know, rural Atlantic Canada, um, starting a new life, that that was always going to involve being entrepreneurs? Yeah, I would say so. For our age and for, you know, what we had achieved in our own businesses in Toronto, it would be hard to picture coming to somewhere like this and going back and, you know, starting over in a job. 
Right. Because most of like, you know, Jeff has construction skills, but I really have no other skills besides customer service and being a DJ. So really the only kind of jobs that are going to be available for me are, are like minimum wage or, you know, jobs like that. And that's not really helping us get to the next step anyways. So I think we definitely, we definitely said that, you know, worst comes to worst. We're happy to go work at Tim Hortons and we'll still be happy in this life. But it was definitely, even if that was how we landed, it was always just something to get us through until we came up with the next plan or the next business idea to, to be entrepreneurs. Right. So tell us about your business, Cabot Trail Pathfinders. So that was born in our fifth wheel trailer when we were living off grid when we got here. And we had originally thought that we would only spend summers here and then go back to Toronto for the winters. And after about two months of living here, there was no way we were going back. And it just became, what can we do in order to live through the winters here and to stay here year round? And the biggest thing that we noticed was that there was a need for more accommodations, basically. People were not providing enough. And when we'd actually visited in 2016, we were unable to find somewhere to stay here. And we ended up sleeping in our car. Wow! So there was definitely the demand for us to start the, the business that way. So it was born out of us buying the actual house that we live in now and sort of thinking ahead and wanting to make sure that we were, you know, all set up to to do the next thing. So we just started with the business name and then just started adding things underneath that, like the tours and the photography and everything else. And as for the name, that was just us with a thesaurus trying to come up with something that hadn't been used yet. But the Pathfinders kind of spoke to us because we really didn't have a direction when we were here. Like we knew we wanted something, but we didn't know what it was going to be. So it was kind of us finding our own path, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) So that first winter or two, did you actually spend living in an RV in in Grand Etang, Cape Breton? And is that where you're at? Is that not either in or close to the Cape Breton Highlands, which is a completely different kind of uh, fierce climate sometimes? Yes. uh, Well, our first winter was spent in the house, but we landed in Cape Breton in 2017, April 7th. And that spring, if you would call it a spring, was more like a winter, it felt like. And we would get those big southeast winds living in the trailer. The first thing we did when we landed, we I dug some holes, poured some concrete, and we strapped the trailer down because everyone in the neighborhood was telling us our trailer was going to blow away with us in it. So we got that taken care of. And then we spent the summer, and then our first winter here was spent living in a house, but still the climate and everything was quite the adjustment than what we're used to. Yeah. When we first arrived for the first two and a half months, we didn't have heat because we were living off solar and our solar system wasn't capable of providing us with heat. Wow. So that was kind of crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I just know from, you know, growing up in the mainland in Cape Breton, there was, when the weather came on the radio, it was always a different forecast and the highlands of Cape Breton. And it was something always more fierce and, and fearsome in, uh, in the highlands. Yeah, well, that was like yesterday. We were up to 140 kilometers with the wind. It's wow. Just... Wow. So you didn't make it an easy transition. I'm, I'm, I, let's talk a little bit about the transition um, from that lifestyle of being downtown Toronto DJs to now working in ecotourism on Cape Breton Island. How did the transition go from like the lifestyle, the cultural aspect? Did you ever have a moment when you said, oh my God, what have we done? 
cultural aspect so much, but the weather aspect, right. definitely. Jeff, Jeff will fill you in more about that because that's more his story. What? Oh, the with the over. building? Yeah, so we got another piece of land. We're building a, a cabin right now, and this this fall I was building the roof, and twice I had the rafters up for the roof, and a southeast wind came, blew it down. Oh. And at that point, after the second time it blew over, I think both of us were ready to just kind of... Yeah. <laughs> Either burn it to the <laughs> ground or pack up and go back. But yeah, we got through it. And it's just new struggles, different things. On a positive side, though, one of the things that we really had to adjust to was like the helpfulness of people and actually accepting the help being offered to us. Mm-hmm. I don't know, in Toronto, it seems like you're kind of more one for all type of thing or. Yeah, everybody you know, just is one you man know. for himself. Yeah. And you're not used to being offered help. So when we came here the first time and neighbors we've never met before introducing themselves offering us their house to live in because they felt bad we were living in a trailer like all of this stuff was just it was really heartwarming and it made us feel like we had made the right decision for sure right yeah nobody nobody was ever you know voting against us or hoping we failed we never felt that once everyone really has always from day one wanted wanted us to succeed wanted us to be here been really really happy that we've been here and decided to join them uh, <laughs> yeah, in the no, adventure, it's a, a positive experience. Yeah, sure. well, tell us a little bit about Grand Atang, where where you're living. Are, are we talking about a village size or a small town? So it's part, kind of part of an, a larger area, Lemoine. That's about I think 1,200 people in the summer, but that's a pretty big area. As far as I know, it's hard to find like online current population. But as far as I know, the the town of Grand Atang is about 600 people. Right. And so overall, I know Cape Bretoners, I think we all know, have a reputation of being quite friendly, um, besides those, of course, who offered up their home and uh, help you with uh, some of your building things. Uh, Generally, you've just found the community very welcoming? Yeah, everybody has been just absolutely amazing. I don't have a negative word to say about anybody in the experience. And just small things, our our neighbor at the house, who we absolutely love and adore, when we first moved in, she came to let us know that we had, that she had raspberry bushes in her backyard and that they were growing onto our property. And did we want somebody to take them down? And we said, no, 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 let, you know, let the raspberry bushes stay. That's, that's fine. So uh, like a month later, she shows up and she has like a container of raspberries with her. And she was like, I picked the raspberries off of your side, off of your property side and brought them to you. And she continued to do this for the entire ripe raspberry season. Every day was just bringing us raspberries that she had picked from our side of the property because she couldn't possibly keep those raspberries for herself. Oh, wow. That's exceptional. (laughs) Tell us a little bit bit about the people who are finding um, your business and, and your lodgings and your tours online. Who's coming and what kind of experiences are they having uh, with your help? Well, thankfully, Airbnb has been a help to us as far as just making the process easy. Like we'd never been involved in accommodations before. So just being able to make an account and Mm -hmm. have them take care of it has been great. But we've been getting a lot of I would say young people, there's been, there's definitely a drive of young people coming to visit Cape Breton. And it's obvious with the people that are staying with us, mostly from Montreal, Ontario, Quebec, a lot of people from Boston. Wow. Yeah. And then in Europe, you get a lot of Germans coming to visit the Netherlands. It's exciting because when we traveled, we 
always held the closest experiences as like the ones that we would share with a wonderful host. And we just try and reciprocate that now. And we've made a lot of obviously lifelong friends just over the last two years from hosting people at our Airbnb or bed and breakfast, if you will. Yeah, we've basically started a map at this point. And in a couple of years from now, Jeff and I are hoping in the winters here to to drive around sort of North America a bit. And we've started a map of all of the people that have given us their addresses and told us to come and visit them when we're passing through, basically. And so this is all over Canada, the US, in Europe as well. We have all of these people that want us to come visit. And in two weeks, we're going to be headed to Halifax, which we never do to take a couple days off. And uh, we already have some of our past Airbnb guests reaching out to us to um, to come hang out and stay at their place, basically. So, Wow, that's going to make touring rather affordable and appealing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's terrific. So, Jeff, do you do the tour, the tour part of it, or do both of you do that? And and so I'm thinking that in a short time, you actually had to become fairly expert at what's, you know, the Cabot Trail and what's in the area and what to see and what to do and how to get there. Mostly I do the touring. It's mostly just hiking. Okay. Um, yeah, generally that's mostly what people have taken us up on so far. The, the doing a driving tour here is fairly self-explanatory because there really is only one road and you can kind of see the secret spots as you drive along it. They're all well marked. Right. Generally, what I've been doing a bit more is taking people on hikes. Uh, our neighbors, again, have been really welcoming and really awesome. They're always pointing us to the next waterfall or the next cool river to sit beside. And uh, one of our neighbors up behind us actually brought us a map of our specific area in Granitang and what all the mounds are called and where all the trails are and where you'll find all of the hunting camps and things like that. So it's, uh, again, we've been just helped out by everybody in, uh, you know, they're, they're perfectly fine with us taking guests on, on their land and walking around. They're all more than happy to see us just stop and chat and introduce them when we get the chance. Oh, that's awesome. And I think that's one of the appeals, of course, um, appealing factors about rural Canada generally is that I think you'd be hard pressed to move to a community in rural Canada where you're not going to find people are friendly and want to help you. And I think generally, genuinely want you to succeed. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So for both of you, I'm wondering, what would your advice be to someone who might now be living in a big city and might be dreaming about taking off somewhere to rural Canada um, to do something completely new, maybe risky, something innovative, something they've always wanted to do, but it's a little bit of a scary concept as well. Um, so based on your experience, you've gone through it, you know, what kind of advice would you offer? I'd say the main thing is to have a backup plan because I'm more of a risk taker, I'd say. I'm, I don't need everything written out and planned. I can kind of just wing it. But Stacy definitely needed that, uh, like a little bit I needed of a safety net, a safety net <laughs> for instance. So we told ourselves, you know, it was it's affordable to live here if you can, like the real estate and everything. So worst case, if we both got minimum wage jobs, we could survive here and live a comfortable and happy life. And we knew that coming out here. So it made it really easy. I think if there's people living in a city that are a little unsure of how things are going to work out, if you need all the amenities that a city has to offer, it's not going to work. Definitely. Mm -hmm. There's sacrifices that you have to make and you have to be real about the sacrifices that you will make. Like something as simple as not being able to get Starbucks doesn't affect us. We don't drink coffee, but (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people 
yeah. wouldn't be able to just give up stuff like that that they're used to having multiple times a day or daily, you know? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is basically save up money. Mm-hmm. You have to save up money before you leave. You have to make sure you're coming here with something. Um, a big thing about moving, I can't speak to the rest of Canada, but at least in in Cape Breton and, and in Newfoundland, which is somewhere that we did a lot of research about before, is that the housing prices are way cheaper than the rental prices. And so buying something when you first get here is definitely the route that people would want to go. And even if you find that you can't separate from the things that Jeff was talking about, like the the conveniences of living in a city. I mean, you have to consider we're an hour and a half away from Walmart, from McDonald's, from any kind of amenity, any kind of chain store. We're nowhere near any of this stuff. And so if you find then that you can't live this rural life, you could always use it as a summer home. You could always use it as a rental. There's other options you have without feeling that you came here, spent time here, couldn't make it work and then had to go back. Right. So don't pen yourself in too much. Make sure there's some options uh, that are on your mind. And that'll just give you peace of mind, too. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for sharing your story with us at, at Rural Spark. I, I find after visiting your website, I'm I'm already looking at my schedule for Nova Scotia this summer and wondering how I can fit in a visit to your greenhouse there, which looks really comforting and soothing and all that great stuff we look for in summer uh, escapes. So yeah, I invite people to check out your website. It, it looks pretty inviting. And, and thanks again for being on Rural Spark. And we'll touch base in the future to see how uh, the business is coming along. Wonderful. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Alan. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. And thanks to all of you for joining us this week on Rural Spark. Our team includes content producer Catherine Murphy and technical producer Tara Seabarth. Music is by Jason Shaw. We wish you all the very best for the week ahead in your part of rural Canada.